Just before we come and have a look at the Bible text for today, uh, I just want to bring you a little bit of encouragement. Uh, just to let you know, the interim moderator role is uh, one to help the church, as I mentioned before, during a time of vacancy. And uh, I know you haven't seen much of me because on Sundays I've had other duties, so I do apologise uh, for that. But uh, I, I do want you to know that uh, I've been working with the session and the board of management uh, with Michael, our ministry worker, and also quite a bit with the selection committee. So uh, even though you haven't seen me around, I am around and, uh, and I'm helping as much as is possible. And please, can I just extend to you again uh, the invitation that if you ever want to be in touch with me, please do so. I would love to hear from you. Just to let you know how things are going with the selection committee, uh, we have been working through a list of pastors that have been given to us by some senior members in the Presbyterian Church of Australia as pastors who could possibly uh, fit into a role here at Cornerstone. So it's been quite a bit of work and that work is ongoing, but we do hope that by the end of January we will be able to start to approach some of those pastors. Uh, after that, it's still a bit of a, a process as we do that, uh, but be encouraged because uh, it is happening and we're getting closer. Um, the other thing to let you know too is, and I think I mentioned this back at our congregational meeting in October, that uh, before a pastor is called to the congregation, uh, we invite them in, uh, they'll come, they'll preach, you will get to hear them, you'll get to meet them. Uh, so it won't, won't just be that someone you don't know will end up coming here. The other thing as well is that the congregation needs to call that person together. So we'll do that together. We'll vote upon a call to a particular pastor. But do be encouraged. It is happening. It is going ahead. But do pray for that process because we are asking God to lead us to the right person. He's already got that person. He already knows who it is. And we're really coming into line with his plans and his purposes for the church. And just quickly, it can be a challenging time while a church is vacant, but it's also a time when God grows the church. Different people step up. Uh, God works in different ways to build our character and to build our strength, and in some ways to build the church together and to unite it. And also be encouraged because there are six men in the church who are elders. And uh, can I say, and I've been around a bit and I've seen a bit, uh, these men are very good men. I'm very impressed with them. They are deeply spiritual men, men of prayer. They take their role very seriously and they really love the church. So do be encouraged and pray for them though. They are uh, doing already a full-time job. They've got families and then on top of that, uh, they're doing their role in the, in the church. So please do pray for them. Um, the church also is ably supported by Michael, our ministry worker. 
And I can say to you, Michael is a good man. He's a very good man. Um, and also we have fantastic deacons, a great board of management, and there are just so many really great ministry leaders, department leaders, group leaders in this church. And can I say this is a really good church. It's not perfect, but no church is. Imagine we have thrown together 200 people and we said, now be family. How many of you know that if you have five or six people in a family, that can be a complex job? We'll put 200 people together and then just say all love each other and get on and and be in great harmony. It's very complex and also to meet the needs of everybody. There are so many varied needs. But the church is doing a great job. We can always improve and we need to keep working on that in the strength of the Lord. But the Holy Spirit is helping us and he's uniting us. So please pray for the church. And look, if you see a need, if you see a problem, pray because maybe you're part of the solution. Maybe God wants you to step up and he's given gifts and talents to you that you can use. As I look here, I just look and and I don't know you all, but I can just imagine the immense amount of gifts and talents that are here and uh, that, you know, God can use all of us and, and he does. We're all the family together. We need each and every one of us. Okay, we need to keep moving or we'll never get out of here. So I'm going to pray and then we'll have a look at this uh, great Bible text, Luke chapter 2. Dear Lord, in your plan to redeem humankind, you have gifted us with two great events, Christmas and Easter. May we today be immersed heart, mind and strength into the Christmas story. Help us for a short time to lay aside the busyness of this season. Help us to rid ourselves of the commercial pressures which may be plaguing our minds, so we can ponder again the abundant blessings of Jesus coming into the world in human form. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine you are in a field, you are a shepherd, it is dark, It is still, there are stars in the night sky and all you hear is the occasional bar coming from the sheep. And all of a sudden, an angel appears before you. And we know from the Bible that sometimes when the angels appeared to people, they appeared just like we would look. But I would think in this case, in this very special case, that I can imagine the angel appeared all in glowing white and then we read that the glory of the Lord shone around them. How would that look to us there in the field? The glory of the Lord. I can only imagine just a a bright light, a, a white light, somehow just a a pure light. 
And of course, the, uh, sorry, the shepherds who were just sitting there like thinking it was any other night, they were absolutely terrified until the angel put them at peace. And the angel brought this amazing message about a saviour being born to the world, the Messiah, God's anointed one. And then, as if that wasn't enough, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appear praising God. A great company, we're told. Not five or ten angels. What's a great company? I can imagine 500, 1,000, maybe more. Were they standing there in, in the field or were they like the pictures that we often see? Were they sort of somehow suspended there in the air? But no matter what, uh, what an incredible, amazing sight for the shepherds to see. The angel, the host of angels, the glory of God shining all around them. But there's a question. With such an amazing event, why did God do that for just a few shepherds? Maybe three or four shepherds, maybe five or six shepherds. But why did God put on, if we can put it that way, such an amazing event for just a handful of shepherds? If I had been doing it, I would have had the angels come to a city and, and uh, I would have shone the, the light brightly so that everyone inside would have seen it and come out to see what was going on. I would have put on an event like that to the multitudes. I mean, imagine it's like putting on the New Year's Eve Sydney Harbour fireworks for three or four people. Did God make a mistake? Did God get it wrong? Should we send God a new PR team? Should we provide God with a public relations company that knows how to draw a crowd? And based on this angelic event, we have the great Christian hymn, Gloria, in Excelsis Deo, meaning glory to God in the highest. And, of course, these are the words the angels declared when announcing the birth of Christ to the shepherds. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Even the Latin name sounds grand. And that's only the hymn. The actual event was just an amazing event. You know, I love the night sky. I often go out to look at the stars and I'm always hoping to see a shooting star or even a meteor shoot across the sky. But that's nothing compared to the event of this night. But why did God reserve this great event for a few shepherds? As great as this angelic event was, it was not as great as the event the angels were proclaiming which is God coming into the world. The almighty God who places the stars into the universe and he calls them each by name. This amazing God, 
This almighty, all-powerful creator God, he is coming into the world as a human being. Jesus Christ, the anointed one, Emmanuel, God with us. Yet he comes to us in a stable, in an animal food trough. Royal babies are normally born among much heralding, born with the best medical care possible, born in the best maternity ward possible, or in a royal palace of magnificence. Why then did God announce to just a few shepherds and why this humblest of births? Because this is the way God comes into our life. He comes to us quietly and personally. You see, God doesn't blast his way into our heart. He doesn't overwhelm the masses in some amazing display that we all yield to at once. You can imagine that if suddenly over the multitudes uh, here on earth, God showed um, himself in such glory and power and all the people would at once say, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. But we would be responding to the display of power not to God himself. And so God comes quietly and personally knocking on our door and he wants us to open our door to him by faith. He knocks on our heart and he wants us to open our heart to him by faith. You see, God wants us to respond to his holiness, his justice, his love, and his grace. He doesn't want us to respond to an overwhelming display of power. He wants us to have an awareness of our sinfulness and his holiness. He wants us to be aware that we are answerable and responsible to him. You see, an evil, tyrannical God, if there was one, could put on a display of power to try and overpower us, to cower us into submission. But only God, the real God, the only God can claim creation, holiness, perfection, justice, knowledge, wisdom and love. God wants a personal response from us to who he is. But look at the brilliance of God. Because he appeared to the few shepherds and yet that event has been recorded in the Bible and then for the next 2,000 years, millions upon millions upon millions read that story and millions upon millions have through faith taken that story and made it their own. When I read that story, I picture it, I imagine it, 
And through faith, I have made that my story. I am so excited about the angels coming, proclaiming the coming of our Lord into the world that I have made it my own. It lives for me. It is my story. It's as if it actually happened to me personally. And that's the brilliance of God. He has shown that story to the multitudes. But he wants us to receive that story by faith. So he comes quietly and personally to knock on our heart. This quiet invitation and our response by faith is where the quietness ends. Because have a look at this in verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard him, sorry, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You see, once Jesus has met us personally and faith is awakened in our heart, then we become loud. We spread the good news message. When they had seen him, they spread the word. Now, some people get it wrong. You've probably heard this like I have. Some people uh, say, oh, no, my faith is personal. Oh, we don't talk about it. Hush. No, we don't talk about our faith. But that's not what we find here in the word. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. When we see Christ not just in a manger, but in our heart. We spread the news in the hope and the prayer that others will hear it and be amazed by it. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. When God has quietly and personally knocked on our heart and faith in Jesus has been awakened, then we give glory and praise. We worship God. And we do it in two ways. We do it personally and we do it collectively as we meet together. When we do it personally, we do it in our prayer life. And it's not a shopping list type of prayer. You know the type of prayer that where we sometimes say, oh God, make me healthy and wealthy and let me have fun as well and make me successful and throw in a whole lot of goodies. You know, it's not that kind of prayer. But the kind of prayer that we should be praying is thanks and praise to our Lord. And even though we may pray silently, it is not half-hearted. We thank God with joy and fervour. Our hearts leap in praise. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm praying, and it might be silent prayer, but sometimes I am just overwhelmed with God 
as I pray. And we praise God collectively when we meet together like we are this morning. And we do it loudly and with gusto. Or maybe not too loudly because after all we are Presbyterians. (laughs) And we do everything with dignity and decorum. (laughs) And we should be reverent. But within our reverence, surely there is room for us to lift up our voices in zeal and fervour to honour God Almighty, the God of love, who's come down to this world in lowliness, in humility, and has died a horrific death on the cross for us. Verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. It was a message of peace to a world that had known much war. They were now living in the time of the famous Pax Romana or, or the Roman peace which had been in effect since 27 BC. And if you can picture in your mind the Mediterranean on a map and then all the land around the Mediterranean was in peace because everyone was under Roman law. And the result of this peace was stable government, better communications, safer and easier travel. However, the absence of war doesn't guarantee peace of every kind. The Greek Stoic philosopher Epictetus, who lived at that time, now look, he wasn't a Christian, far from it, but even he could see this insight. He said this, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns for even more than outward peace. You see, the Roman law of the time, the Greek philosophy and even the Jewish religion could not satisfy the needs of the human heart. The peace Jesus brings is peace for the human heart that comes from being at peace with God. It is a peace of mind and soul. And that's why Jesus tells us, and we read it in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Australia, we are free from war on our shores. But I wouldn't describe everyone as being at peace. Not everyone has peace of heart. In 2019, this is pre-COVID, sadly, over 3,000 people in Australia took their own life. That's nine people a day. And imagine the effect on their families and their friends and their, their, their communities. Again, pre-COVID, 3 million Australians are now reliant on antidepressants. 
100,000 children in that. Anxiety and depression are rampant. I drive around lots for my work and uh, I've seen uh, multiple road rage incidents and, and I just see people where something goes wrong, someone makes a mistake that I just think, oh, well, it's just a mistake, it happens. But I've watched people just in a split second go into this anger and this rage and I think, do they just have in their life just anger simmering just below the surface and it just takes this tiny trigger and, and off they go? What would they be like to live with? Marriages are in trouble. Relationships are in all kinds of trouble. We see bullying, we see oppression and people struggling with all kinds of addictions. If we had time today, I'm sure we could break up into small groups and just spend hours and hours talking about the condition of the human heart here in Australia. Now, we know that Christians can have problems as well. We can face trials. We're not immune to all the problems. And the Bible doesn't hide that. The Bible makes very clear that we face trials. But when we are troubled in the lonely hours of the night, it sure is a help when you can call out to your Lord, when we can call out on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I'm out and about during the week and I'm seeing people out in the rural areas, out in the bush, uh, usually it goes great, but occasionally I have a really bad day. And if I'm having one of those really bad days, if I'm in the right area, I love to go to one of my favourite spots where I have lunch and I drive into this clearing in the middle of this huge pine forest. And, and it's like this great outdoor cathedral. And there I am all alone, just listening to the wind through the, the tops of the pines, just looking at the sky. And in my misery, I talk with God and he gives me peace. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We need Jesus' message of peace today. Again, verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. God's peace is on whom his favour rests. And God's favour rests on those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus. Not how much money we have or how important we are. God doesn't want our efforts to please him. He wants our faith to believe in him. By visiting the shepherds, the angels revealed the grace of God towards humankind. The shepherds were poor and lowly. Jesus comes for the poor and lowly. And later, the Magi come to King Herod. 
And they were well off, very well off. They were important people. They brought expensive gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh for Jesus. They had access to royalty. The shepherds wouldn't have been able to come to King Herod's palace and have audience with him. But the Magi were important enough that even as visitors from afar, they could come and they had access to the king. Between the shepherds who were poor and lowly and the Magi who had status and wealth, God was showing that everyone can be included in this new peace. Rich or poor or anyone in between, but only for those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, this beautiful verse, verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Let us go into the fields or some quiet place and ponder and treasure what we have heard today. God's quiet, personal knocking on our hearts. The peace that comes as we open up our hearts in faith and our fervent response in evangelism and in zealous worship. Let's pray. God of love, may the treasures of the original Christmas story bless us soul and spirit. Gold, frankincense and myrrh would be lovely to receive as gifts, but they pale into insignificance as we lay hold of the treasure of eternal life wrapped up in your mercy and grace, gifted to us in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Please stand for our last song.
Just close with a, uh, a benediction now, and just to remind you that uh, Martin Webb will be speaking to us after this, and the feed will be cut. But also after that, please hang around for some morning tea and uh, a time together. And um, yeah, isn't it great that um, we can put our faith and trust in Jesus and not in ourselves or any other worldly uh, options that are going to let us down? Any idolatrous concepts that always fail us in the end and just to remind us of what jesus presence in the world was ushering in it's a new heaven and a new earth let's read revelation 21 1 to 4 then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea i saw the holy city the new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and i heard a loud voice from the throne saying look god's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them they will be his people and god himself will be with them and be their god he will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away let's go in the real celebration of christmas that is that jesus christ has come and he's coming again and that the kingdom starts now in your life as you put your faith and trust in him god bless have a great week Okay. Hello. 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 Hello.